Happy Monday. Welcome to the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Lazare. And today we're discussing two epic 2022 releases, Robert Eggers' Viking epic The Northman and Nicolas Cage's meta-parody The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Both were insane and weird as fuck, and I can't wait to discuss them. But first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. Two trailers to discuss. First up, the second trailer for Pixar's Lightyear. The Buzz Lightyear origin story we didn't know we wanted. Hits theaters June 17th. The second trailer uh, warm you up a little bit on this? Still no. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think this looks exciting. Um, they said that it's it's it owes a lot to like 50s sci-fi adventure movies, which sounds exciting. And Zerg looks cool. So I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt. You know, I have really low expectations for um, cause me to really like it. It's happened before. Yeah, maybe. It happened with um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I thought I did not want that film to happen. I was like, how dare you make this? You fucking assholes. So I went in there like thinking like, oh, this is going to suck. I'm going to hate this. Why is everyone liking it? Fuck all you people. And then I walked out and went, God, that was the fucking funniest goddamn movie I have seen in a while. Holy shit. So, you know, it could happen. Like I said, it's just, it's just really hard for me because I just thought like, oh, you had a perfect trilogy. I don't really need all this backstory on my ear that you kind of provided via the actual, you know, the, the movies and the TV show I watched as a kid. Um, but like I said, I could be wrong. I'm willing, willing even with films where I'm not looking forward to, I do go in with an open mind and the hope that hey, they will change my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm just going by Pixar's track record here, and they you know they're way more hit than this. So I'm I think this is the the, the odds are are for it. I I will say I'm glad Disney hasn't decided to come out of the woodworks be like, hey, we're putting it on Disney Plus. Only like they, because I don't know who the fuck at Pixar pissed off this Disney. Like it's insane to me. Yeah, that has been weird. But luckily, this is getting a theater release, and it's probably going to be a pretty big hit. Yeah, especially because like Turning Red. Like at first I was like, well, maybe they just don't believe in it. But then I saw the response to Turning Red, and I was like, this would have been a big fucking hit had you just put it out in theaters. Yeah, I think like Onward is the only like Pixar bomb, and that was because it happened right when COVID happened. Yeah, but and I wonder else if that, been really successful. Yeah, and I wonder if that's what scared Disney if they were like because I wouldn't be surprised because you know studio executives are fucking idiots. Um, yeah. if they were like, oh well, onward bomb. So clearly it's like, well, yeah, because of the pandemic. Don't forget the fact that there I think it was a big hit on Disney Plus. And yeah it, was yeah, it was very well received. I fucking loved it. I thought onward was awesome. Yeah, me too. That's that's become one of my favorite ones. It's hilarious and it's incredibly heartbreaking which is just their bread yes. and butter <laughs> yeah yeah i i won't lie uh just because my own little uh personal history with uh my own like kind of like whole biological fat uh father and stuff like that oh. um that that ending fucking hit me i was like oh god damn it yeah me too man but also like the scene where you know guinevere the van is like sent into valhalla and it's oh, like driving god. towards the cliff and like a a tire blows and it starts galloping. Galloping. <laughs> Every time. I can't stop laughing. So good. 
Did Chris? Uh, it was Chris Pratt and Tom Holland, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were fucking great together in that movie. Yeah, they killed it. Uh, so you know that's why I'm gonna go ahead and go into Lightyear with positive thoughts. I will go in hoping you can change my mind. I can be a nerd. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Um, funny story with that. That was the same year that the fucking Star Wars Last Jedi came out. Yeah. That was the movie I went in so goddamn excited for. Like, happy. Couldn't wait. Because I was like, I really like Force Rakens. Let's see what you guys got up next. Mm-hmm. And that was the one I walked out extraordinarily pissed off. I remember that feeling. <laughs> okay. We were riding a high. Star Wars was awesome again. And we were like, yeah, episode eight. Let's do this. Uh, and then Jumanji snuck in there and said, don't worry, guys. We got you. I the got a, you didn't know you needed. I got a commemorative glass from Last Jedi when it came out. I was like, you know, I got this the pre-order ticket. I got the glass. I was so happy. When the movie was over, I gave the glass away. I didn't want it anymore. <laughs> that movie fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah, it did. I will, I will go into Lightyear with an open mind and hope that it can change my mind. I'll say that. Well, this next movie, I think we're all very confident is going to be amazing. We finally got the long-awaited trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder. Taika Waititi returns to the director's chair for a new Thor adventure, co-starring Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, and the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's theaters July eighth. Uh, I am loving this new lease on life that we've gotten with Thor uh, from Taika Waititi. And this just looks so good. I'm so excited. Yeah, it, it just looks like we're getting more of what we got in Ragnarok. And I couldn't be happier with that. Because Waititi is the only one that, to me, has gotten Thor. He wasn't trying to be Branagh with it. Wasn't trying to be Alan Taylor, who, to me, just felt like he came in, shot a film, and left. Um, it's kind of what he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> RTD really gets the character. This looks like more of it. Um, I know there's a lot of people pointing out that like they are being very blatant now with their, hey, let's make it where we're removing characters and shots that clearly look like they have an extra character standing there. And I was like, yeah, they're all kind of being more open about that now. They're just like, oh, we don't give a shit. You know, we got you. You're coming. Who did we take away? They could announce Thor Love and Thunder the day it's coming out with no marketing whatsoever, and it will still be a colossal hit, and everyone will go see it. Yes. They don't need to market shit anymore. Yeah. Um, I do like um, – I know I texted you because, like, it seems like every time you've been – because it just – it cracks me up, like, the amount of times you've been, like, really, like, I don't think it's coming out, dude. Like, there's been no marketing. Like, not a week later, a trailer comes out, and I'm like, please – keep showing doubt because i keep getting trailers out of it because the moment you show like like you have it you're thinking you know what no it's coming out aka the flash um it definitely is because you were like oh it's coming out this year like it looks like it's good that shit got delayed so i need less confidence in you (laughs) how could i I anticipate ezra miller losing his fucking mind in hawaii twice how could i anticipate that and in my defense at the time it had gone like the longest Marvel had gone with a release without a trailer. And, you know, with pandemic shakeups happening at the time, everyone was still kind of like, what could happen? So it's not, it wasn't crazy. Yeah, but it's just funny that like, it's like Marvel heard you. Here's you every time. It's like, oh, you think we're not coming out with something? Here's a trailer. Well, going forward, I will be more confident. 
Aren't people with Crawfman and everything gets fucking delayed again? I don't know. I, I highly doubt I'm the linchpin of Hollywood's calendar. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> just really funny to me. Like, it's been kind of like a funny thing that's been happening. I do love that Taika has apparently been consulting with James Gunn over the Guardians of the Galaxy scenes, which is great. Uh, and yeah, it just looks entertaining. I'm excited to see Christian Bale as a, a bad guy. Gore the God Butcher, that kind of name. You know, sounds like it's going to be quite intense. <laughs> yep. I like the little tease we got of Russell Crow. It looked like. Yeah, Zeus going Greek gods. It's going to be cool to see where this goes. We'll probably, I wonder if uh, we'll have Hercules in the next batch of uh, Avengers. It's it's really interesting seeing Marvel open up on like both with like, you know, Moon Knight and obviously upcoming Thor, Love and Thunder. Like the cosmic stuff is really opening up more than ever in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe here. It is great. I'm excited to see how Natalie Portman handles, you know, a return as some version of Thor uh, with the hammer that looks like, you know, reforged. So be interesting to see where that goes. Well, what I love too, is like, now that we've had the multiverse stuff happening we are, you know, as you know, as, as everyone should know, we're about, we're fucking about to get Dr. Strange's multiverse madness here. Like it's almost like now, like that, all that wondering of like, how are they going to have it to be, or, you know, Natalie Portman's store. How are they going to do this? How are they going to do that? Like, how the fuck are we getting there? Yeah. Multiverse, as soon as like Spider No Way Home came out and Loki came out, now it's like, oh, this is how. This explains literally every movie going forward now. <laughs> I thought that too, but I think considering the way Mjolnir looks like it's been, you know, put back together after Hela destroyed it, I think that that is the Jane Foster we knew from the first two Thors. I, th- I think it's the same Jane. I'm interested to see how they weave her back into the story. Okay. I did notice Gamora, a little quick thing of characters, was not in the Guardians crew. No. I caught that. I was like, oh shit, Gamora's not there anymore. I was like, okay. Yeah, well, when we last left her, you know, she was a version of Gamora from 2014 who never met the Guardians. So, she, you know, yeah, but Cole's going to be hunting her. Yeah, but I'll say we also know she's going to be in the third movie. Yeah. So, I did like when. He was like, you just got to make sure you cling to the people you love the most. And you like trying to look over a throw and his face pops up. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is going to be fun. I, I can't have it. I like that. We want to we get a we want to get a montage of fat Thor losing his weight. <laughs> Reminded me of Mr. Incredible, like lifting trains and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is going to be good. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I love the the selection of "Sweet Child of Mine" as you know the music. The music's always great with this stuff. They have like just an endless like you know expensive count now. <laughs> yeah, again, like ever since to me, Marvel and I know I said like Thor and having Ratiti uh, put his stamp on it, but really ever since Marvel has okay directors put their stamp on it, really beginning with the Russos. When they did Captain America Winter Soldier. Like ever since then to me is when the MCU went from being like really good to fucking great. Like getting these directors that are still making very much making an MCU film, but they're putting stamp on it. They're having their their signature flair of their of their vision added to it to me has just made these films so much better. Oh yeah. Well, I like seeing, you know, kind of 
a flavor with with each distinct character and you know you get a good director to do that and you've got you know just a good assortment of spices that work together even better yeah. um, it's been great and just you know with all the success they've had they've been able to take risks on some you know people who kind of come to them with an idea and they're more than you know they're more willing to green light kind of crazier shit as we've seen recently so i'm, I'm excited to just keep enjoying this it's it's wonderful we're in the you know third decade of marvel movies i think so yeah <laughs> yeah and then like the fact that like the now they're really looking to tackle horror i mean you got multiverse of madness being directed by sam raimi you got blade review coming out like the fact that they're like okay what genre have you not done yet Ooh, we haven't done horror yeah let's do that you got that werewolf by night special they're doing in October. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're in a good, we're in a good spot. You could argue moon Knight had, it's like pretty fucking dark at times for an MCU show. Like they are much more willing to experiment more than ever. Oh yeah. Love that. Um, I know. I think they got a Marvel zombies thing planned. I remember reading about that. So they got that coming out and we saw a bit of that on what if, and that got dark as shit. Yeah, I was really surprised at how hardcore that was. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was like, God damn. And yeah, they can confirm a whole like spinoff dedicated to Marvel Zombies. And I mean, again, I'm really surprised how quick they're making what if canon, like how quick they are, because we're getting fucking zombie strange in Doctor Strange. And I've heard we're getting zombie Wanda. I don't think I've seen her in the trailer, but I've heard rumors that she's popping up too. Dude, I am so like I know we're all completely unprepared for what we're gonna get in Doctor Strange. In the multiverse of madness, I, what we're gonna see is gonna blow our fucking minds. I'm just glad that this film so far has not been nearly as poor as Spider Man. I don't know what the fuck Sam Raimi and Faye are doing this time to keep things quiet, but much better job than they did with Spider Man. I think they just they let Patrick Stewart say he was in the movie, and everyone just latched onto that, so they're not paying attention to all the other shit they've been sweeping under the rug over here. That's true. Faye's like, look, if we tell him this one thing. We get their focus away, and then we don't say shit about anything else. No one will know. I'm holding out hope for a Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider cameo. Oh, that'd be that'd be so great. I'm I'm curious because I was I didn't even click until now, but Moon Knight will end literally the week that film comes out, and I I wonder if there's gonna be some kind of tie-in. That does not feel like a coincidence. I was like, because, yeah, I was like, I remember when I was like, I didn't I didn't pick up on it at first, but then when I was like doing my math of like when the show ends, aka just looking at the fucking weeks ahead, <laughs> um, I was like, holy shit, it ends the Wednesday before Dr. Strange comes out, and technically Dr. Strange comes out on Thursday night. Is there going to be a fucking tie-in, maybe? Maybe. It's MCU canon, I assume. I mean, we haven't really gotten any anything to chat, like any connectors, but it's Marvel Studios. It's their shit. So, like, why wouldn't they? Yeah, and they've only released the critics episodes one through four. So, yeah. they're keeping shit hidden for five and six. And they did it with Hawkeye, where they were including, you know, fucking Kingpin to show, like, hey, look, the Daredevil stuff's back. And then we got the really cool fucking Daredevil cameo and Spider Man. So, I don't know if they're doing something. Yeah, all that shit's been. And they're dealing with God. That's true. I don't know, maybe Khan Shu's going to show up and piss somebody off. Maybe. Or maybe it's a, it may not be a T-Structure Strange, but 
for Thor Long for Thunder now that the trailer came out. Maybe. Maybe. Or Miss Marvel. You know, it could tie into it could set up yeah. anything. <laughs> or to really fuck with us, nothing at all. There's also the possibility because I remember them saying that Moon Knight is kind of an isolated thing. Uh, but we'll see how honest yeah. that is because Marvel's lied to us quite frequently in the past few years. They've blatantly lied to us in trailers. Yeah. Ah, well, Thor comes out July 8th, and uh, I cannot wait. Yeah, looking forward to it. Moving on, the official title for Fast and Furious 10 has been revealed. The film will be called Fast X. Also, Charlize Theron and Sung Kang are returning, as well as everyone else who doesn't have anything better to do. That isn't The Rock. I'm sorry. He's not coming back, guys. Dwayne's got anything else to do. He does not like Vin Diesel because, you know, Vin felt the need to pull in a a dead buddy's children into the fucking mix. Yeah. And that was mid-beef. That wasn't pre-beef. That wasn't the cause of the beef. That was another layer of beef. Yeah. Like, the beef was already cooked. It was steaming. And then it got reheated in the microwave with that. <laughs> the beef has become such a part of pop culture now. There was a reference to it in Sonic the Hedgehog too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just uh so they're gonna have to make do. Hmm? I was about to say it was about to die down until literally Vin Diesel did that fucking dumbass Instagram posts and again used Paul Walker, who is dead. For those who don't know, <laughs> children involved them in it and i'm like what did you th- how did you think he was going to fucking respond to that it's very strange he keeps reigniting this shit i mean johnson just he left the franchise he said you know all all love to everyone involved in that franchise do your thing i'm doing black adam i'm good but he vin just will not let this go it's, it's weird yeah. it's like he really does believe that that family thing it's not a movie thing to him it's life no, I think like on the set of like Fast Six or something, he got struck by lightning and he believes he's Dom Toretto. <laughs> I would not be surprised in the slightest if that came out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Fast X is coming out, I think, 2023. Uh, part one of a two-part finale. Yeah. Yeah. So, enjoy. I, I don't know when Charlize Theron became this series' is Blofeld, but here we are. Look, this is how I feel. I like the earlier ones, because at this point, it's just a nostalgic thing to watch. It's a quaint thing to watch the first couple of films. I enjoyed it when The Rock came on board and became big and dumb. Yeah, they weren't like, they're not winning any Oscars, but it's like Transformers. It was just big, dumb, and loud, and I was like, okay, sure, I'm enjoying it. The moment I, we both saw Fast 9 together, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. F9, the Fast Saga. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but I remember it was very evident that you take the rock out, you take the Viagra out of the franchise, it ain't that good anymore. It's quite flaccid. Um, yeah. It's, now it's a series that takes itself way too fucking seriously with Vin Diesel. Yep. He thought... John Cena was going to be the franchise Cialis. Didn't work out like that. No. And it clearly, it's not because Cena isn't talented enough. I've seen Peacemaker. That man is hilarious. Yes. I don't think he gave a shit. 
Yeah, this is a, a paycheck gig if there ever was one. So Charlize, keep making that green. And uh we'll see you when you when you get your next Oscar nomination. Yeah. I'm look uh, Fast X. Two part finale. What the fuck are they gonna call this last one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? Frankly, I don't care. <laughs> I'm out. Here, well, I hear more. No, at this point, I'm finishing. Like, I have made it way too far to not finish. But I got to say, the titles cracked me up. I'm trying to think of a. There's got to be a pun there with the Viagra, and you you, you got to finish. There's got to be something there. You keep reaching there, bud. We'll figure it out. Just halfway through the episode, you yell out what you figure out, which no. <laughs> Well, like next week's episode, just no context. You're like, aha! <laughs> well, it is funny that like this, you know, you there's that whole thing like if you know if you're taking Viagra and the and the erection does not cease, call a doctor. Well, apparently this erection is continuing into like 2025, and it's just it's is not it going down. Is it an erection though? I really feel like it got real. It got limp real fast once the rock left. It got limp, but Vin is still shoving that thing in. It's, it's not up to us at this point. <laughs> uh, and he keeps hiring people that are like very much like you would identify as being similar to The Rock. Like he's like, hey, another wrestler turn actor, John Cena, got him. Hey, someone that looks like he could be fucking his cousin, yeah, Jason Moore, got him. There's <laughs> the possibly Samoan giant guy. Yeah, Momoa, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I guarantee right? you, that's exactly his thought process. It's I'm like, why do you keep doing this? <laughs> oh, that's great. I can't wait to see who's in 11. <laughs> Trying to think who's rock adjacent that hasn't been cast in this yet. Who's <laughs> rock? Batista. He is, I think he'll, he'll say no. He will say no. He gets better offers. What's Randy Couture up to these days? <laughs> Stone Cold still acting? Maybe. <laughs> you combine them, I feel like you get kind of a rock looking dude. Maybe both of them. That's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I mean, look, it's literally like he lost he lost the rock. He's like trying to fill the gap with each movie. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of Momoa, Jason Momoa is in talks to star in a Minecraft movie because it was only a matter of time. Uh, Jared Hess, director of Nacho Libre and Napoleon Dynamite, is going to be directing the film. And uh, yeah, we're getting a Minecraft movie. So Supposedly, this has been announced... This has been in development for like five or more years with various directors attached and then left, attached again and left. All right. Well, that's this the latest like, combo. Yeah. So this is like literally the latest set of directors, the latest set of casting news. If it happens, cool. I mean, we're seeing the boom in video game adaptations thanks to Sonic big time. Um, I, I would say Minecraft current work, but there are comics that current work. There are fucking billion dollar franchises right now. So we'll see. I feel like it would have a similar plot to the Lego movie. And maybe that's why it hasn't been made yet. 
but you know, you get Aquaman involved and maybe it'll work. Then you get the ladies. And then they get really disappointed when they find out it's probably going to be animated and you only hear Momoa's voice. <laughs> you don't get full Momoa. How in the hell would this be a live action movie? <laughs> like, how is that even possible? You know, some women would think, I say, I'm not trying to be sexist here. Some people would think that. Someone out there is going to be like, oh, Momoa, it's going to be live action, right? It's like, no, you're not getting the whole Momoa. You're not even getting 50 cents worth of Momoa. You're getting his voice and only his voice. I have no, I never played Minecraft, so I I don't care. But maybe, you know, if it works, it works. If not, well, I'll wait till the next person's announced. Yeah, I mean, if this is finally what goes through, cool. If not, okay. Like I said, they've had this in development for like over five years at this point. Yeah. Next up, it's been announced that John Carpenter and his son Cody will be scoring the upcoming Firestarter remake set for release next month. Did not know that. Now I'm even more excited for Firestarter. Yeah. they they. I think they had it kind of like snuck in the announcement when they first talked about the movie and then they just kept it quiet. And I think they were just re-saying it like, oh, hey, by the way, like, if we, if you guys forgot, they're scoring and here's some of the, the music from the movie. But as oh. I, I think as I stayed on the chains, Bond was when I threw that bomb share at you. I don't listen to scores until the movie comes out. So I have not listened to the release score. I will not listen to it. I'm waiting to hear Carpenter's majestic beauty of music. When Firestarter comes out, I'm seeing a theater watching it. Well, I saw that they are also releasing like a special edition vinyl to the soundtracks. That that probably was why they announced Carpenter's involvement again. But uh, I missed it the first time, so I didn't know that. And I haven't listened to the music either. Uh, I'm curious, but I also kind of want to hear it in context first. Like I said, I think it was a really like quiet thing. Like they were like, I think they kind of said, but then there was like, they weren't really confident. So we were like, I think Carpenter's involved in this, but not. So I think this was them really saying like, hey, Carpenter's involved with the movie. He scored our movie. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. Well, he's been uh, he's been more open about possibly returning to direct. Um, if a script, if a script so fancies him, if he has an idea that fancies him so, um, but he's been a little bit. He's been quite rejuvenated thanks to Halloween 2018 and seeing Stu. Because you know, Framley doesn't know like the reason he kind of. I know you probably know. He kind of stopped. He was really burnt out with the studios. He got there's a lot of his later films that well, I think they're really good. There's a good chunk that are really good. A lot of studio meddling, a lot of studio interference, and it really burnt him the fuck out. So he said, fuck it, I'm done. Add that to the fact that uh his longtime partner and I think at one point girlfriend, Deborah Hill, had passed away. And he said, Hey, I'm done. I'm I'm just not doing this anymore. It sounds like I think what seeing him being able to actually collaborate like he wants to with studios again, especially with people like Blumhouse and whatnot, and the people involved with Firestarter, he seems to have a lot more rejuvenation to want to come out and start doing stuff. So he he's scoring a lot more nowadays, which is why we see him on Halloween, Cream Firestarter, and he's kind of hinted that he might be interested in directing something if there, something good would have come his way or an idea would hit him. Well, I imagine, you know, Jason Blum, like so many of us, probably grew up watching Carpenter's movies. So has a, you know, he has the actual respect for John Carpenter as a filmmaker, which those studios in the seventies and eighties just kept shitting on his ideas and forcing him to do shit he didn't want to do. And yeah, I can imagine, you know, having to deal with that throughout your entire career would make you incredibly disillusioned. So I, I'm glad that 
if that's true that Blumhouse has kind of given him an opportunity to kind of look at the way he he's able to do things again, I would I would love him to come back to, to directing films. I would love to see what Carpenter's got. You know, right. after I think it's been twenty like ten years since his last movie. The award came out in like two thousand seven or eight. I thought. All right, so it's been a while. <laughs> I think. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. We'll, we'll fact check. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would. <clears throat> when it comes to like, I mean, and you know how much like he means to me. I don't know. If, I've, I've, I know we've talked extensively about it, but him and Car- him and Craven always been like my two like just golden gods in a way of horror directing. Like these guys, just they're they were. I'll say we're in the past instance in one case, unfortunately, Craven has left us and the other, he just hasn't directed in a long ass time. Um, but they were, to me, some of the best when it came to horror directing. I would actually say I'd put Carpenter maybe a little bit above Craven. Like the guy's skill at directing what he was able to pull off, but it, even then it's hard for me to really say that because what Craven did was so different from what Carpenter did. Um, both just excelled. Um, even the, like I said, even the stuff where like they kept meddling with them and kept messing with them and like they just won't leave them alone. Like, um, I know obviously two biggest ones were the thing in Big Trouble in Little China. Um, those are still some of the best fucking movies. Like, like he in his filmography, in my opinion, like they are top tier movies. And I need to watch Prince of Darkness and um at the mouth at the mouth of uh madness. But I hear those are two more that the studio kept coming in and like just wouldn't leave him alone. But like they have a fucking following those two mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, his direction shown, his direction shine through the most. I think the ugh, Carpenter's so important to my development as a film fan too. I, the Thing in Halloween, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, Escape from New York. Like these are these are Mount Rushmore films. Like these are just unreal. Um, I still have to see Vampires, which I've heard was decent. Uh, mm-hmm. memoirs of an invisible man which i've heard was not great but you know chevy chase mm-hmm. kind of poisons the well a lot yeah it does as we learn on nothing but trouble on beyond the bed go back and listen to that episode to hear all about chevy chase yeah i did it i called that <laughs> good work um but yeah i've i've always you know had nothing but respect for for carpenter and i think i like his music more than i like his his direction actually like his what he does with music is fucking unique and wonderful and wild and his worst movie has the best music you know it's it's crazy yeah it's hard because his music is so fucking good yeah um like i don't like ghosts of mars very much but that music is fucking lit (laughs) his music's good in that movie um the two i there's one i need to rewatch because it's been years i've seen it and luckily i own both of them because i took advantage of the uh birthday sale that screen factory was doing uh recently um, I need to rewatch They Live. It's been fucking years since I've seen it. Um, yeah. I, on the cell, I picked up the 4K of it. And then I also picked up The Fog. That's one I've always been meaning to watch. Fog. And I, I feel like it's right up my alley and I'm, I'm going to love it. So I was like, fuck it. I'll blind buy it and watch it. I I keep a list of like films that I've you know seen and I chart them and all that. And I made it a point when I got to my 2000th film to make it The Fog. I wanted it to be special and I'd never seen the fog. So I put on the fog and I was like, this is what have I been all these wasted years? This is such a great movie. It's so fucking creepy. It's one of the coolest ghost movies. It's such a great premise, epic cast, 
scary music. Extremely Curtis reteaming with them and fucking Tom motherfucking Atkins. Yes. That guy is a badass. And he and, didn't fight me on. Uh, I think when Janet Lee's in that too. I would have to relook. I'd have to relook. I do remember reading about that. Channel Lee being in it. Yeah. Yeah. Fog's great. They Live is such a funny, crazy movie. I I love that. I love Roddy Piper. And, you know, it's got one of the greatest movie quotes of all time. We all know what it is. Oh, yeah. I know. I know I've seen it because I remember being a kid and my dad was watching on TV and I was like, Dad, what are you watching? He's like, Oh, They Live. It's a great movie. So I'll sit down and watch it. I remember watching it with them, but it was literally years because I remember the trash can, like, fucking. five ten minute long fight scene <laughs> never ends it's so ridiculous um yeah we got to do that on this we got we've only we've, we haven't done a lot of carpenter we've early on in the show's run on film guys and we, we were doing carpenter we did halloween and the thing and escape from new york we haven't done big trouble we haven't done the fog we haven't done they live we got to do this show <laughs> we do I actually have i have a full i have the 4k supposed to come in next month of escape coming in <coughs> coming in nice i got the uh the limited edition steel books of uh assault and the thing and i've got a, a really nice shot factory version of escape from new york it's these are films i want to have the best versions of you know i feel like oh, I, yeah. I feel like i owe it to john carpenter almost oh dude so when like shout announced like a big 4k thing they're doing for me like all these movies they had but they're upgrading them 4k yeah i was like oh, shit escape I was looking at my collection. I was like, I'm going to pre-order Escape. I was like, well, let me also get Shouts to Thing and Big Trouble. So then I have the Trifecta years filmography all in one company of Carpenter and Kurt Russell. Because <laughs> I fucking love all three goddamn films they did oh. in that era. I know they eventually did Escape from LA also, but as far as like that era, that period was fucking stellar. Oh, yeah. I can talk about Carpenter all day. My... um. My cousin was commenting on uh, we were, he watched the thing, and uh, we were talking. And as we were talking, I started to realize that he had actually watched the 2011 version of the thing, and he was praising it. And I almost punched him. I was like, "No, wrong! <laughs> Don't you dare do, do better!" Partners <laughs> or nothing at all. How dare you? Yeah, I got heated. It was, it was like, what's happening right now? It's like, how dare you? Look at this one from the 80s. Carpenter, Russell, practical effects. Need I say more? Wanted to grab him and be like, it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better. <laughs> you got shit to learn, kid. <laughs> uh, oh, my yeah. God. Don't you they, dare praise that abomination of a 2011 movie so yeah we got carpenter returning to to do firestarter very excited about that oh fucking christine forgot about christine we didn't shout that one out oh my god he did do a stephen king one yes christine great movie yeah wonderful oh my god (laughs) yeah i like how this really just became a a carpenter love fest but yes (laughs) yeah he's one of those guys anytime you mention his name all of a sudden you just want to start talking about some of your favorite movies yes Dude, I'm telling you, 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 you know how I was the day you told me the sad, sad news of Russ Craven and you broke that to me. Oh, I don't even want to think about what. Honestly, you know how I'll be the day that I'm going to be inconsolable. 
Yeah, I don't want to. No, Carpenter's going to live forever. We all know it. Yes, he, he better make us. He better, I hope he is rejuvenated enough to make at least one more movie for us. I hope he is like just dumping all of his knowledge of filmmaking and music making into his son. Well, clearly he is because his son does music with them. He has music, but I also hope he's teach, like teaching him like, and this is how you direct a shot. Like just <laughs> randomly just talking to him about it. <laughs> oh, I would love if, like his son gets like tries to get an attitude. And he's like, ah, I've done Halloween. What have you done? <laughs> he just keeps throwing a random movie at him. It's like, well, why don't we call my old friend Mike? He calls Nick Castle. It's like, hey, why don't you, why don't you tell my son? <laughs> I would pull that oh, card all the time. Right? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. You mouthing off? Hold on. I'm calling Snake Plissken right now. Hey, Kurt, want to talk to my son real quick? Dude, what if when he was like, when Cody and like, I don't know if he's got any other kids, but like when they were young, what if like to get them to behave, he would literally call up like Nick Castle and Kurt Russell, have them show up in character and like discipline his kids? <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. What if, no, he got Rowdy Roddy Piper in there. <laughs> kids not eating his vegetables. Roddy Piper shows up with a shotgun and sunglasses and like, what are you doing there, kid? <laughs> oh my god! Listen, kid, I came here to kick gas and chew bubble gum. I'm all out of bubble gum. I I would do that all the time. My god, it's beautiful. Oh, all right. Anyway, <laughs> we're very excited that Carpenter's back in the in the uh, in the spotlight, so to speak. <laughs> yes, it's it may not be directing, but hey, I will fucking take him doing music. I will fucking take it. I was not expecting to hear his dulcet tones when I saw Studio 666, and that was a nice bonus. I was, I love that cameo. That was great. Yeah. He's got such a, like, the second the music came on, I had a moment of, like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know those tones. There's no way. And it came up music by John Carpenter. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be better than I thought. Did you hear what Dave Grohl, uh, how they pulled that off? Yeah, I guess his son was a, was a, was a, fan right his son so his son was because i guess he also does like solo stuff music wise mm-hmm. so occasionally do stuff without uh, his dad he opened for Foo fighters once like Foo fighters put him on and let him open they were, so they were like hey we want to get someone like horror legend in this movie we're like how about we try john carpenter and so dave roll called him and Car- carpenter literally went no you help my son out i'll do whatever you want what's up oh that's fucking awesome I think I remember you told yeah you told me about this. That's that's, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> cool. Ah. See, that's why it pays to be nice guys, like nice guy Dave. Yeah, don't be a dick. Life's life's quick. Yeah, be like Dave Grohl and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Nice people. Yeah, if you're nice, you can get favors from John Carpenter. Yes. Also, if you see Dave Grohl, then you give him a hug because he's sad, Dave. <sighs> yeah. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Sony uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has been delayed to June 2023. Uh, also, the part one has been scrubbed from the title, but Sony assures us it is still part one of an epic two-part story. Uh, so yeah, we're not getting Across the Spider-Verse till 2023. Uh, shit. Yeah, so clearly doesn't know what they're doing. Um... I'm, I was quite sad to see that I have to wait another fucking year for this movie. 
I am glad they get rid of the part one. I'm actually really sick and tired of having part one in my fucking title. Oh like, yeah. Just stop. Like I look, it worked so it looked worked very well for Harry Potter. It did. But the fact that it became a thing after that with every goddamn movie, like just come up with a new title for your next movie. How's that sound, huh? You know what really, really bugs me? John Wick, John Wick chapter two. John Wick, colon, chapter three, dash, Parabellum. That really bugs me. I just, I don't like it. It's yeah, I, I wish, I wish they just called it chapter three. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Or just, you know, John Wick three, Parabellum. I could have worked with that too. Or even but, just John Wick, Parabellum, just have subtitles. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I've been thinking about that for like four or five years. Yeah, because what are they calling the next one? Are they going to just call it Chapter 4 or are they coming out with a snazzy subtitle? <laughs> I don't know. I'm honestly afraid. I don't know. I'm like, what I'm am already I mad that I'm waiting. I'm already mad that I have to wait till next year for a film that I really wanted this year. And now yeah. I have to like, wait longer to see what they title this. <laughs> yeah, anyway. It, I think, you know, it took a, a while for the first one to be... I, I think it took a few years for the first one. So I bet I bet they're you know running behind probably. So they want to make this look as refined as possible. Especially the animation's very unlike what we see in other stuff. You know what I mean? Like this is not typical animate animated like film animation. So I, I did that's more likely, like you said, they were like, I'm sure they came up with like, hey, we need more time to make sure this animation's good. So they're like, all right, we'll give it to you. Um it just like I said, it always sucks when this happens because it's literally like John Wick Chapter 4 delayed. Damn it. The new Spider-Man delayed. God damn it. Like, stop it. <laughs> but I am, like I said, if it's to give them more time to, like, you know, continue with the animation style, sweet. Um, I'm really glad they chopped the part one out of the title. Thank you. Yeah. I'd much rather get a delayed good movie than a rushed final product that doesn't hold up. So, you know, take your time. Yeah. Um. Finally... No, wait, we got a couple more things. My mistake. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it happens. This pissed me off. I was so upset about this. Karen Kusama's Dracula project has officially been scrapped with uh, both Kusama and Miramax citing creative differences, which is Hollywood code word for we don't like it. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It. I'm getting worried because The Invisible Man was really like the, the, the jump start, the kickstart that the, the universe monster, especially after the universe was so fucking ignorantly, where it's like, horror doesn't make money at the box office, so uh, our mummy movie is not going to be horror. And then that flop, just for the mummy to fucking explode onto the scene. Oh, the mummy, the invisible man, Jesus Christ. To explode on there for a minute, like, it didn't do that well. <laughs> no. I thought, I was like, wait a minute. But yes, uh, for the invisible man to do really great, right? And show that no... Horror is what, especially for a horror fucking franchise, because the original films are all horror. No. Yeah, that's what's going to take off. That's what people want to see with these guys, with these characters. Um, and I was really excited at the possibilities that were happening and all the different announcements. And while this doesn't sound like one of the ones that Blumhouse was directly working on, because it said yeah. Neuromax and them, still sad to see like this kind of die. Um, well, I. I do want to point. I do want to read out the uh, the the plot idea that that they were going with here. And I got to say, it doesn't sound great. 
set in contemporary Los Angeles, the movie was supposed to follow uh, Mina Harker, the main female character in Dracula, and her relationship with a modern version of Jonathan Harker named Vladimir. Uh, no, I don't. I don't want a contemporary Dracula. I want. I want Dracula. I want the book. We've talked about this when we did Dracula Thirty One on Filmgasm a few weeks ago. Like, why? I had I had faith in Karen. I thought she was going to pull this off, but no, she was going to go in a completely terrible direction. So maybe it's a good thing this movie got squashed. Look, you just need to admit that Dracula Thirty One is a fantastic piece of art. That's what you need to admit. I I have no I got no beef with Dracula. I just think it's kind of boring. But I acknowledge its significant impact on pop culture history. I've never not. It's okay. It's okay to have a wrong opinion, but uh, <laughs> I'm just tired of them trying to you know like Dracula, but this like no but this. Just give me fucking Dracula. Well, they probably won't have to do that if it wasn't the most adapted fucking character for the past 100 years. And yet they've never fucking gotten it right. So get it right one time. And also, then even the yeah. even the BBC show I watched, that was like three episodes. They were doing great until that last episode. And I was like, this fucking was a terrible ending to a pretty solid first two episodes. Um, but I mean... Yeah, like I said, there's still plenty of Dracula content coming out. Like I said, this isn't part of like the Blumhouse Universal Partnership. So as far as I know, their announced Dracula adaptation still in the works, still on the pipeline for whenever they want to do it. Um, and we still got Renfield coming out. Renfield I'm excited about because I know that's not going to be a traditional Dracula. That's just going to be some, you know, having fun with it. I'm okay with that. I would like a little. I would like some updates on Blumhouse's monster movies. Like, is that Wolfman still going down? Like, I was excited about that. As far as I know, that stuff's still going out. I would like Blumhouse to just have a day where they're like, "Hey, all universal stuff, it's still happening. We obviously got delayed with the co- you know the pandemic, slow down a lot of our pre-production stuff, but it is moving forward." Taking it back to Carpenter would be so cool if Blumhouse finally gave him the chance to do Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. I am like erect at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> Down boy. But I think, wouldn't that be just perfect? I mean, he's, he's been planning this for years. He's, he's written the script many times. What if that's why he's been having these old man grumblings of wanting to potentially direct again? What if they have approached him already? And he was like, okay. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh. uh, well, here's hoping. I really enjoyed the, the Invisible Man. I want to see more in that vein with the Universal Monster adaptations. I really hope they don't fall apart. Yeah, I wonder if, like, I hope it's not like them just, like, putting it on hold to, like, finish up fucking Halloween. And then they're like, okay, now we're done with that. We'll move on back to the Invisible, you know, to the Universal stuff. I hope that's not what's happening. Because uh, you can do both, Blumhouse. Like, let's just be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope they figure it out. Finally, horror director Declan O'Brien has suddenly passed away at 56 years old. O'Brien was the director of the third, fourth, and fifth films in the Wrong Turn franchise, as well as Joyride 3, Roadkill, and Sharktopus. No cause of death has been disclosed. 
Uh, I know you're a fan of the Wrong Turn franchise, and uh, you told me this information, so that was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, well, I just got to play this guy's and there, and it said like, uh, you know, director, long-term director, Nathan O'Brien, uh, Nathan O'Brien. I was like, what, he's doing a wrong turn? And I looked and I was like, oh my God, no, that is not what I was, okay. Um, yeah, there was no cause of that. They just, it's just, he was 56. Um, they just announced it. Um, you know, I know some people, you know, you could, uh, some people obviously make the joke that his filmography wasn't that great anyway, but he left a mark on, a still ongoing horror franchise, regardless of its placement in the Pantheon. Um, now, of his three, and I'm, I'm actually kind of partial to the fourth one. I think that one's actually kind of fun. Um, you know, he, he left his mark. He seemed to be really enjoying it. He he was clearly passionate about the Wrong Turn franchise to so return for three films and, you know, do them like that. Um, so... Like any, it's it's still a loss. He made his mark on horror. It's a sad loss. Um, I think they said he has three kids. Oh man! So, you know, not not something I was expecting to hear. And he he, I will say it, he'll be missed in the horror genre. You know, at the end of the day, say we were with the wrong turn franchise. You're still fucking talking about the wrong turn franchise. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, anybody who is able to make something, I admire. So, yeah, rest in peace, man. Sorry you had to go so so young. Um, all right, with that, it's time to talk Shutter Film Virus Thirty Two. How was this? Not bad, actually. Um, so I know you're probably thinking that's not the best title. Sounds like something you'd find back in the good old days of perusing those Hollywood Hollywood videos or blockbuster aisles and. You see those really surely tired horror films, and you're like, maybe I'll try this one tonight. <laughs> or when you're perusing Netflix and you keep going down way too far down into the horror section. Um, for those who are a little more hip today's time. But with that, the reason it's called that is because the plot of this film is a virus breaks out in Uruguay. Oh, so I believe that's where this film is from. It's a Spanish film. I want to say Uruguay. Um, and the the thirty two comes in the fact that it, they're not zombies. It like makes people aggressively like just aggressive to help people. Like they are just going after people that are uninfected and killing them merciless, mercilessly. Huh. That's that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I think I saw that one about twenty eight days ago. <laughs> but the catch is that after they you know brutally kill someone or beat them. They have 32 seconds where they just stop. Um, and it's like they have to recharge. Which um, actually created like a really a lot of really good suspenseful moments. Um, like there's one scene where they're trying to get out of the building and their exit is literally filled with these things, right? These infected people. But something happens where they start attacking and then they stop and they have 32 seconds to get through this fucking hallway amidst all these frozen fucking infected um so there's a lot of really cool scenes the people we're following is uh is uh this estranged couple um due to an event that gets explained later on um but dad has to go do something so she said he says like hey you need to watch our daughter even though you know you decided to pick up this extra shift at the security thing i gotta go do this you know 
So she takes the dart with her to her work, her night security work, when this outbreak happens, or as it's happening, we kind of see snippets of it. You know, they do the fun trick that I always, I'm so psyched for, where you kind of see it happening in the background and the characters don't realize what's going on. That is happening throughout. Um, again, they ask it, it's still a really effective trick to use. Um, and then as the night goes on, you know, eventually her they get separated in the building. She has to get her daughters and they have to get out. So that, you know, like any other film's type, escape is the plot line of the film. Um, with that said, not not bad. Um, it was actually pretty like I had a lot of fun with it, a lot of really creepy scenes. Um, I'll say it warning for those who love animals. If you love your cat, they don't hold back in a certain scene with a cat. Oh god. Yeah. Um, so you know, for those who are cat owners, look at your cat lovingly when he's not trying to uh be a dick to you. Um <laughs> I can say that because I have both cat and dog, so ha. Um, yeah, there, no, there's a gnarly scene where like she's hiding from one and like the cat is moving and is making noise, and you see this dude's hand, like, out of nowhere, grab the cat and fling it across the room through a gold or like a glass door. Jesus. And I'm like, gee, I, I was literally watching it, and my Mike, I'm watching it in my bedroom, right? So I'm on my bed. My cat, my own cat, is like snuggled up on me <laughs> as this happens. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. And he like my cat's like, whoa, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> and then yeah. it doesn't end there. He like goes to it and like beats it against the ground, so it dies. It's it's pretty brutal. Um, but with that said, if you're looking for like uh, a good foreign film, um, that you know, no, it's not breaking the mold in any way, but it it offers a neat little hook. It delivers on that hook, and it's still for the most part a fun little movie. You can't go wrong with this. I I give it a pretty solid eight out of ten, honestly. Okay, interesting. I'll throw the book as always, and uh, you know, one day maybe we'll do it on on filmgasm. Not bad. Um, with that though, don't expect. I'll say it right now. Don't expect a Shutter film next week. Shutter is smartly taking a break to give us the season premiere of the last drive-in with Joe Bob Breaks. So if anything, I'll just give a report on how that season opener went and what two movies he showed, if anything. Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right. The Northman. Robert Eggers' third film after The Witch and The Lighthouse. Uh, hat trick. This was fucking crazy. Um, I don't see a lot of Viking movies. Uh, and I've, I like how there's not really any heroes. Uh, everyone's kind of a psycho because it was the Vikings. There weren't really good guys. It was just, you know, whatever rape and plunder you could get from the next kingdom was yours. Yeah. Well, that's, that was one uh, review on YouTube I like. And mainly I was like, I don't know what you think of Vikings back then, but he said it took him a while to get used to it. Like, oh, this is our good guy because you have that whole scene where like, you know, he escapes his village getting plundered and then literally the next scene is him plundering a village yeah. and he was like i really have to follow this guy like and he goes well you know back then that's what it was like. i was like no offense i didn't have that issue like i went going like this is a viking movie way different time period back then than it is today so like yeah of course our hero is going to plunder like he has to survive somehow yeah it's you know i mean he's got you know hate and vengeance in his heart so it's, he's not exactly you know, 
fucking knight in shining armor here. He's just the lesser of two evils. Yes. And you do see him dole down as the film goes. Like that's kind of like the whole thing of the film is like you see him become he learns kindness. Yeah. But in the end, he does choose vengeance, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, it's um the cast is all exemplary here. Alexander Skarsgard really commits to this just vengeful uh what's his name? Amlet. Uh and if you think that sounds a lot like Hamlet, yeah, that's not an accident. Um, the story is very similar, almost identical to Hamlet. And I found out. Hmm? Oh, I was going to say that's because Edgar's has a name. This is a Viking Hamlet. Yep. Well, that's it's based on the Viking parable that Shakespeare based Hamlet on. So it's going back to the to the well, which makes which immediately made me think Shakespeare's a fucking hack. <laughs> Original my ass. Anyway. He's just ripping off the Vikings. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, kid is the son of a king and king's brother kills the king, takes over the kingdom. He escapes and it's like, I'm going to come back and fuck this guy up one day. Uh, The beginning with Ethan Hawke as king, it's going to be tough to say these names just right off the bat. As the king. king. Yeah, King Orvindal War Raven. You have fun trying to say these names. I'm coming up with fun names, so I know. Good for you. Uh, he was intense. Ethan Hawke, just like, you just felt this, like, potent rage in this guy. The whole opening of it, you're like, this guy's seen some shit, and he is not done. Oh, uh, no. no. Even, even his entrance, you know, he doesn't quickly hug his, like, wife and stuff. He's like, does the whole king thing of holding out his hand. Yeah. <laughs> like... Hello, honey. Hello, son. And then he breaks the moment to say hi to his son properly. But yeah, it's very much, you know, he's a cold, distant father and and uh husband. He's a king first. Uh and we meet his brother Fjolnir. The brotherless. I love that they call him that. Because he fucking killed his brother. <laughs> Yeah, I love how back then, like you, 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 they they used uh, names as a way to insult you, but it became like official titles to call you by. Yeah, you know, it's like if you own that shit, it's yours. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's this weird scene towards the beginning when Ethan Hawke and his kid are like being like wolves, and Defoe is like, you know, your fate is is fixed and all that it's so odd and it, you just got to accept you know it's, it's robert eggers if you've seen the witch if you've seen the lighthouse you know you're not in for a traditional narrative no but and just, but just go is, with it yeah and i'll say this was the thing like all those scenes were some of my favorite like i was really entranced by all the uh the scenes around campfires and them getting ready like uh i know what we'll get to but like when they were getting ready to pillage that village oh, like geez. i just said that and they were doing the the like getting into berserker mode that was such a great scene i was dude that scene actually made me rethink some shit in my current book and made me think like i could probably do better <laughs> i was like that's fucking cool just getting amped up to be berserkers just howling at the moon like you know worshiping fenris and just being like we're fucking wolves like god damn we want to fuck that village up dude, when they go to the village and Skarsgård fucking catches the spear and throws it back. 
I audibly went, fuck. <laughs> like it, it caught like it, it overtook me. Yeah, I love how they, they're trying to be sneaky and the moment it breaks, they don't give a shit. They're like, okay, whatever, we're going in. We're going all in, boys. I don't we watch our hero just like let a house full of women and children burn. Like that's yeah. that's our hero. <laughs> I love, yeah, yeah. He does not care. I love how Edgar films a lot of these scenes. Both this scene and then uh, the initial betrayal um, scene, and he when he's trying to escape as a kid. Yeah. Um, I like how the guy who gets his nose cut off <laughs> becomes a fucking player later on in the movie. Yeah. Uh, his cinematographer is uh, Yer- J- Yeren Blasky, and he also did The Lighthouse and The Witch. So he's his guy. Like he's a goddamn good cinematographer, and God. I'm listening to y'all's Lighthouse episode right now. I have like 30 minutes left, maybe less. Um, well, not right now we're recording, but as I was going about my day. It would be hilarious like, if like right now you just got another podcast going off to the side. Right? You're only hearing just, me like, in one ear. <laughs> just half listening to you right now. Um, but uh, I know like, you know, Eggers, you know, he got nominated for the Lighthouse for, or did he get nominated for cinematography for the Lighthouse? Yaron Blasky did for the Lighthouse, yeah. Okay keep nominating him because holy fuck like don't this guy knows how to fucking light a goddamn movie every single time this movie need i hope <laughs> it makes a splash at the oscars this thing is unique it's you know cinematography costume design several performance nominations i mean good lord makeup I, how do you set design this screenplay screenplay because that like the the commitment to authenticity in the dialogue of how they spoke back then like fuck me dude when when Skarsgård screams like i am the son of king wolf raven and i am his vengeance jesus yeah. <laughs> you just get like you're, you're just on his to see, like you want to see him fuck these people up yeah, Scott was so fucking good in this movie. Like, he had, like, he was able to portray moments of, like, legit vulnerability at times, but also because Scott just a fucking hulking beast of a man already. Yeah. Like, the scene, you see in the trailer, but you really see it in the, in the you know, villaging of the, the pillaging of the village, um, as I'm going to keep calling it. When he, like, jumps down to hit the guy on the horse and he just pulls, and the way he walks, he, I'm like, Fuck me. I would not want to be one of the guys in his damn way when he's fighting. That's berserker mode. Like, that's just, you know, seeing red. You don't even care who you're swinging the axe at. You're just swinging the axe. Yeah. Crazy. You can see the fury in his eyes. Um, I loved all the random moments of, like, Norse gods popping up. Like, we saw fucking Odin at one point. Yeah, well, and that's why, that's why I told you. And this really relates to how I think, because I just looked it up before we recorded this film right now. It unfortunately will probably fucking bomb at the goddamn box office. It's nowhere near its budget right now. Both movies um, we're talking about are not doing well, which sucks. Yeah, which again, for all you assholes, meaning like there's nothing original coming out, just MCU movies. Way to blow your fucking weekend of original films, assholes. Because you're already like, well, the bad guy is a family film. Awesome. There's literally two R-rated adult original films out, and you won't fucking watch them. So go fuck yourself. Um, can't say advertising because they literally advertise the fuck out of these every goddamn film I went to go see this year. Yeah. Um, 
Um, but anyway, like it, you know, I love this is what I was saying when like um Eggers commits so hard and to making it to where like, yes, this North stuff is in here, the the Viking mythology is in here. And this is what I loved about it. For me, as someone who really loves this mythology, outside of um uh, Greek mythology, like this is probably my second favorite. Like Norse mythology is badass as fuck to me. Um, the fact that he embraced it so hard, and he was like, "I'm going to actually make it not just like mythology, but like it's real. Like this shit is real to them." So like you are actually seeing Valkyries, you're actually seeing Odin. Like all this shit's real in this war he created. I fucking loved it. But that's why that's why when I remember I texted you and I said like if you're not on board with what Edgar's is doing as a general audience, you probably won't be on board with this movie because he is saying like not only am I going to give you your revenge tale in my style, I'm also going to have it set in a world where like this mythology is not mythology, it's real like it's legit. Well, that's exciting as hell, and I also love that Edgar's doesn't fucking care. You know, with the witch. He's very much telling his own story of a family either afflicted by a demon or afflicted by some, you know, rotten ass corn. In the lighthouse, we're watching two men completely unravel, or possibly one man unravel while watching another, you know, spirit in the light. You don't fucking know. He's telling his own shit. He doesn't care if people get it or not, but he still manages to craft a very interesting, unique, exciting movie every time. And that's all I really care about. I mean, even if I can't understand what's going on, I'm still enjoying it. And that's what matters. Yeah. And even then, like, I'd argue, like, this and The Witch, you can still follow because they're very straightforward stories. No. Only The Lighthouse. And he's even, I was, he was um, on, you know, the, the relaunched uh, G4 and that, you know, explain and attack the show. He was on Attack of the Show in an interview for The, the Northman. And he even, he'll admit that he did The Lighthouse as a way to experiment with doing a movie with almost no story. He's been very upfront about that. He doesn't give a shit. Like, he's not hiding it. He's like, no, that was my experiment to see if I, what I could do without having a traditional story. <laughs> but even then, like, to me, what I love about The Lighthouse that on repeat viewings, for me, that movie is a look into insanity. Yeah. It's two men going insane. That's what the film is to me. But what's beautiful is that because he doesn't stick to a story, the film can mean many things to many different people. Mm-hmm. I viewed it as I viewed it as watching a sea captain, you know, drown and you know, kind of viewing, you know, Neptune and Promethean fire and all this shit happening at the same time. Like, but then I watched it again and I'm like, this is a pretty straightforward tale of just two men losing their minds. It's mm-hmm. it's different every time. And the Northman is one of those movies. It's just like, yeah, sometimes Odin and the Valkyries are going to show up. And it's just, that's going to happen. So you can either get on board or you can go see the bad guys. <laughs> Take your pick. It's, it's fine. I, I, yeah. Um, I thought Bjork's weird little scene where she's like a, a witch was really creepy. Yeah. I remember being like, why is Bjork in this movie? And then I saw the scene. I was like, okay, she actually does really good in this movie. I feel like if you're gonna make a movie that takes place in Iceland, you kind of have to have Bjork involved. It's like a staple. Like there is no way you can work around it. Name another Icelandic celebrity. Oh shit, you got me there. <laughs> uh, yeah. The um. Oh, what are some? I don't want to like. What are some really awesome moments? I I really love the way he first dismantled the whole operation at that farm. 
Yeah, it was like a like a Count of Monte Cristo style elaborate revenge where he just took apart everything that mattered to them first. That was so fucking badass. And I love how even the sword again, that fancy stuff, right? They very much painted as like, no, this is legit a magical sword because I that you know he legit got it from that fucking uh, skeleton warrior. That that was a fucking great scene. I, I love the humor. I love the fucking dark humor he put in there by having him take the head and shove it up his ass. I, that whole thing feels so much like the Black Cauldron to you with the magic sword, you know, that he finds. I wonder if there was some influence there. I, I hope Maybe. there was. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like, I really get a lot of my inspiration from Disney. Um. I don't know. Tom Hardy can get inspiration from fucking Looney Tunes for Lawless. Another throwback. Go check out that episode of the Film Gasm podcast. Um, yeah. I thought the, uh, what was it? It was, uh, oh, yeah. There was that moment where the one soldier couldn't fucking get the sword out of the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that to me showed like, oh, so it's, it's like Excalibur. It's a real magic sword that only he can use. Yeah, only only he's able to use it. Um, yeah, I love I just love the way he he completely fucks her when he poisons them that one night with the hallucinogen, and like you see that one dude like stabbing himself. Shit, that was nuts, dude. When he like killed all of the prince's like friends and like put their bodies made a horse or something <laughs> out of them on top of the cabin, and he's like, "Who did this?" Oh yeah. Yeah, because he was. I love how he was smart enough to get into their favor with that game. And that mm. dude was about to fuck the, like, essentially, I guess in this version, right? The king or the chief scenario, yeah. his son up, and he just comes out and whacks him on the head and beats the shit out of him. I love that dude is going to murder the prince right in front of the fucking chieftain, and like nobody was doing anything about it. Yeah, I'm like, are we really like, you tell me you have someone that crazy enough on your squad that's like, I'm going to murder this kid right now to win a game? Jesus. Blood, bloodlust is real. <laughs> um, I thought it was hilarious that Fjolnir's kingdom fell like a week after <laughs> he killed Ethan Hawke and he fled to Iceland and is like a goat farmer now. And that one guy's like, he killed his brother for nothing. He's yeah. like laughing at him like, ah, loser. Fucking dweeb. <laughs> uh, that was, I was not expecting the uh, the twist that Nicole Kidman was kind of the brains behind the whole thing. I, I had a, I actually mentally remember called it in my head. I was like, she has another kid. I remember when they got to it and they were showing that they had their kid together and stuff. I was like, she's in on this. Like, there's no way no she's not in on this. Hmm. And then, like, when they had that really creepy, and I'm, I didn't want to say anything when we were recording. When we talked about incest, I was like, I'm not gonna say shit. To you. Whole, I was like, when that gonna... happened the whole time, I started laughing because I'm like, it's gonna fucking come up. <laughs> it's like there it is again. God damn it. <laughs> it strikes again. I knew it was going to I just didn't want to say anything. I was like, I'll let him experience it for the first time. <laughs> oh yeah, that was weird. I got my my theater got very um uncomfortable to say the least. I could hear everyone be like, oh. I'm like guys, come on! It's just a movie. It's Nicole Kidman. Come on, you guys want it? I was like, but yes, it is gross because that's like literally he came out of her. I'd love it if there was one guy in your theater in the back who's like, "That's hot!" Like at full volume. <laughs> that's that's how I snap. That's my snapping moment. I just see on the news like 
local man goes berserk in movie theater in Virginia. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know, I know that guy. Like, fuck. Oh, you're just that... like, it's gross. It's gross as you're getting pulled out of the theater. Why would you be able to do this? It's not right. <laughs> well, yeah, that was. Well, and then he's like, I won't kill a woman. And then later on, right through the fucking chest. Absolutely murder, sir. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do like how, like, she was so fucking upfront about it. She's like, she's like, your father raped me. Uh, I never loved you, like, ever at any point. And if you do kill this man, I'm going to fuck you and you will be my king. Even though I I birthed you, I'm I'm having sex with you, and I'm like, wow, that's you laid down quite the gauntlet there, Nicole Kidman. Like, holy fuck. Well, she also added like, also if you kill my other kids, like I'm yours. And he yeah, was very right. much like, <laughs> I can see in his eyes he was like, my mom has aged well. I shouldn't. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't mean like she has aged well. You're still looking good. Oh, but I, I'm like, you get Aunt Taylor Joy like calming down. You have, I was like, Aunt Taylor Joy is not that bad looking. I think I've always, I think she's attractive. Um, I was like, just, just go to her. It's fine. Go, to, go to her, dude. Well, just for it was so wild for her to just be like, I hated your father, and I also ordered him. I ordered Fjolnir to kill you. So what are we gonna do about this, dude? Like I'm telling you, like they call it like. She literally like was like, okay, so I have a bag of information, and there's a table. Let me just fucking bah! laid it there. Like, uh, your dad raped me. Uh, I hate you. I ordered the kill. Um, I really hate that you're still alive. You're supposed to die too. Um, and like again, like you said, if you not only kill my husband, but you kill the kids too, looks like your fucking mom. It really Jesus that whole- that whole scene really twisted, make you think like, who's the real bad guy here? Because Fjolnir, you know, murdered his beloved's captor and seemed like a decent leader, but also he was he was raping people too. It's like it goes back to there are no fucking Viking heroes. No, during that time it was kill or be killed, and that's why I think I kind of like that Edgar said he was like, in a way, to me. It's that again, that commitment to authenticity. Once he's saying, like, look, I'm not giving you Gladiator, okay? Like, I'm not giving you that, you know, I fucking love Gladiator. Yeah. Great movie. He's like, but I'm not giving you a film that, like, he's like, back then it was killed or be killed. Like, they didn't give a shit back then. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was a dog eat dog war back in that day. Yeah. Sorry. You just reminded me of, you know, Something I can use for my thesis. Gladiator. Writing that down quick. Are we really taking like a multi-pause for your fucking thesis on this recording right now? You're goddamn right we are. Oh my god. This is why we'll never be a great show. We are an awesome show. (laughs) You know why? Because we're authentic. (laughs) We're not pausing for it. You hear that? Hear that? That's the snapping of my journal rubber band. I just wrote it down. God damn it. But yes, I, I I appreciate like I in a way I appreciate his authenticity to not giving us clear cut good good guys or bad guys like it's it's a morally gray area in everything they do. Yeah, and in the end, you know, there's not a happy Hollywood ending. It's not he decides to you know he kills the bad guy and runs off into the sunset. 
it's, you know, go birth my children. I have to finish this, <laughs> which is so, but dude, a one-on-one naked sword fight in a fucking volcano. <laughs> it's pretty like badass if you ask me. Yeah, that's, I can honestly say that's something I've never seen before. No, if, if anything, I would have upped it and had them be rock hard while the sword fight was happening. I feel like all the blood was going to their heads. They were blood drunk. They can't be. It's going to both their heads. Both their heads. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, speaking of heads, what a finale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. Uh, well, okay. So that death and also, okay, if we're talking about that, the, the one death that really got me, that I, I really liked, I like the callback they did with it. Yeah, yeah. When he's the dude that he cut the nose off as a kid, fucking holds the sword against it, says his badass line that I can't remember because I've only seen the film once. Yeah, I had to watch the again. dialogue is hard to recollect because it's basically like Shakespearean Viking dialogue. But you know what? Yes. Fuck it, it was cool. Yeah, again, Edgar loves his authenticity. I love that he loves it, but I know it was badass what he said. Um, and just plunges that shit through there slow half the fucking sword into this guy's head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh, my God. I was looking around at people. There was a lot of squirming in, in my theater. I had the but, biggest grin on my face. <laughs> I was just like... like Just making faces like, damn. <laughs> I got into this. I know. Um, I think I drank my icy right after. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I had a root beer like... Mm. This is some movie. All these schmohawks are at church and I'm watching Viking murder on Sunday morning. <laughs> Viking murder, love making, and incest. All in one movie. Yeah. All I think at least two of those are in the Bible. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> I don't think there's any Vikings, but I'm pretty sure there's a fair amount of incest. Oh, there's a lot of incest in the Bible. How do you think technically? the bible as someone who unfortunately grew up catholic um uh to populate the earth with a lot of incest to populate the earth but it was okay because you know we had to populate the earth that's how they get around that that's how the church gets around that shit that was true it's amazing we're not all you know how was that vice hemophiliac like mutant freaks exactly (laughs) we should all look like fucking cronenberg's so no i don't believe in that i believe in the vikings they have it no i i'm just saying that's like that's how that the incest story though that's why yes it's in the bible big yeah. time it's majorly in the bible in the bible amlet and fjolnir fight naked in a volcano and they fucking kill each other at the same time yeah <laughs> I, I honestly i could probably be like oh but then i was like makes sense yeah I was fjolnir like, loses his head just like he did to ethan hawk and uh, Hamlet gets stabbed in the chest just like he did to his mother. Poetic. Very poetic. No. He finally gets to go to Valhalla. The, the, the Valkyrie pops up again. Um, great acting from the Valkyrie lady who does some hella screaming with her lungs. Yeah, that was badass. Cool, we got to actually see like the gates of Valhalla. It's like, fuck. Dude, we saw Odin. We saw the gates of Valhalla. I was like, what else do you want to show me movie? Great Odin's Raven. Saw that too. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah, this was cool. This was, you know, just an epic Viking saga that didn't feel, you know, it's had it's a hefty film about two hours and 17 minutes, but you don't feel it. You're you get sucked into this thing and you just like it works. I I yeah. like it. I remember the few times where I was like, okay, we're getting to the climax, and they kept going. I was like, oh sweet, fuck yeah. It was one of those few times where instead of me being like, oh no, we're not getting oh, okay, we're still going. I was like, oh sweet, more movie. Yes, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Or movie. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, I give it an eight, but I think with a couple more viewings, it'll probably go up. Yeah, same. Right now it's an eight, but there's a very good chance it's going to set at nine because there's a very good chance, unless something really blows me away, this might make it on my top ten for the end of the year. Yeah. I walked away really fucking happy. Edgar's can do no wrong. I really hope he continues to get these movies, regardless of the financial, that hopefully the critical reclaim keeps carrying him. And that he keeps getting to make these types of films. He is one to me, one of the most exciting voices. At the time, I would say just horror when it was just The Witch and the Lighthouse, but just in cinema now, thanks to the Northland and cinema in general. Very exciting voice to me. Yeah, I can't wait to see what two word movie starting with the he does next. I really hope he just keeps doing it. Like that becomes his thing. It's just called the and then whatever else. It was supposed to be the Nosferatu, but I don't think that's happening anymore, at least not immediately. So the way he sounds, it it, it might be about hopefully things turn around. Um, but it's not he's not, he's not even sounding positive because things yeah. have keep setting it back for him. Damn it. Well, I'm excited to see where he goes next. Like you said, you know, he's he's one to watch out for. He's he's good. <laughs> yeah. I remember when like him, he came out with fucking the witch, and then we got um, hereditary and him and Arias are both like these exciting new voices. Yeah, I can truthfully say there's one that stayed exciting for me and one that I kind of stopped caring about. Yep, yes, out of those two names, Ari remade The Wicker Man and didn't tell anybody, and <laughs> Eggers is keeping it fresh, which is nice. Ari has made it abundantly clear he apparently really doesn't want to do a horror film. Even though his next one he's talked about sounds like horror, may not horror. I don't fucking know. I've heard jack shit from it for a while now. Eggers does a crazy supernatural uh, folk horror movie. Does a descent into madness, the likes of which we've never seen. Somebody said, what are you going to do next? And he said, fucking Vikings. <laughs> so He's already upfront about what he's doing. He's like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in his camp for good now. Yeah, he's very straightforward. What are you doing? A folk horror film? Okay. And what's after that? A psychological horror film that's going to destroy your mind? Got it. Next, Vikings. Okay. Care to elaborate on that? No. <laughs> was Vikings not... You know, he was like, yes, I'm sorry. I'll elaborate. Ask the question again. What are you doing next? Viking. No, he's just like, fucking Vikings. That wasn't the last minute. what you're getting. Blood, guts, sword through faces. Ethan Hawke, that dude from Dracula. This is going to be cool. <laughs> He's like, blood, guts, incest. On and Taylor Troy, they're like, wait, 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 wait. Go back. <laughs> Odin is in the picture. Trust me on this. <laughs> you guys really like Skarsgård and True Blood? Wait till you see him in this movie. Yeah. The blood gets truer, trust me. 
I just love picturing him going, trust me, at the end of everything he's, he says to people. It's like, trust me. Right? You think he says that to like his actors? Like, even Anya Taylor Joy, when she, when, uh, when Skarsgård asked her like about his directing, she's like, oh, you'll like him. Trust me. <laughs> it just starts rubbing off on his regulars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Fuck. So, yeah. Uh, the, the Northman was fantastic. Yeah, great fucking movie. And for those of again, if you're bitching about not seeing anything original in cinema, fucking go see it. No. Or you still can. And Doctor Strange takes all the fucking screens. All right. Next up, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh <laughs> This was absolutely hilarious. This is one of the funniest movies I've seen in years. One of the most unique films I've ever seen. And a fun movie. Uh, definitely one of my favorites of the year thus far. Oh, yeah. I, I had really high hopes for this. And I was not disappointed. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, any Nicolas Cage fan worth his salt is going to love this. It's so close to being a full-blown mockery, but they dial it back just enough to when it becomes a celebration. And the fact that Cage is in on the joke makes it so much sweeter. Uh, I found out the backup plan. If Cage had turned this down, they were still going to make the movie, but they were going to have either Christian Bale or Daniel Day-Lewis somehow made up to look like Nicolas Cage. That doesn't work nearly as well. This would have been fucking horrible if they had had somebody else play Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's like, no, no, you need Nicolas Cage playing himself. Hmm. Um, where do we even start with this movie? Uh, I guess the uh, the chemistry between Cage and Pedro Pascal makes oh my this God, they were so great. much better. Pascal needs to do more comedies. He has such great timing. Uh, I love how nervous he was to keep asking him about his script. <laughs> I love that the, the big reveal that he's not at all connected to the cartel stuff, that he, he wants to distance himself from that. He just loves movies. Yeah, he's just a big movie buff. I love when they're naming their top three movies, and he finally, his his third one, he goes, Patty Ning 2. He's like, are you fucking serious right now? Of all the movies, he's like, it made me cry the first time I watched it. And then they, I love the cutaway to them watching it and Nick Cage crying going... <laughs> Hang two is fucking incredible. I love at the end when he lets his daughter choose a movie and she's like, Have you ever seen Paddington 2? And he's like, his heart skips a beat. <laughs> I love when they were naming their top three and first his first one was face off, and he's like, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh um I, I, I like yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like Cage is actually like, because I know he's playing a fictionalized version of himself, but I feel like the movie buff part we saw in him, that that's actually Cage. I feel like he is genuinely like that with movies. I would not be surprised if his favorite movie really is The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah, I won't be surprised either, especially with how like open he is to doing genre stuff so much. Mm-hmm. He recently came out and said like he's upset he doesn't get offered more comedies. But I was like, me too! Yeah! <laughs> Give Cage more comedies! Yeah, his acting style fucking is perfect for it. Dude, I 
what immediately jumped this from an eight to a nine almost as soon as the film started was his hallucinatory younger self. Yes. Nikki. The Wilder Heart era. Yeah. Who's just out of his fucking mind and kicking him and like making out with him. Be like, you're Nick, Nick fucking Cage. Nick Cage speech is good. Woo! Nick Cage speech is good. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? This random with going out of his fucking mind. Oh my god. The DH tech looked great in this. I was I was like, is that really like Nick Cage? They just de-aged him? I think it was, yeah. <laughs> I I love the scene when like Pedro Pascal shows him his collection of memorabilia and we get that Mandy shout out. I was like, yes. Yeah, the ch- chainsaw for Mandy. Mandy's a mess. <laughs> I, I looked up like everything that's in that shot. There's so much in that shot. Like the lottery ticket from It Could Happen to You is in there. It's it's such a crazy wow. hodgepodge of cage stuff. Yeah. Well, I love how like meta this film is to the point that like to me, I felt like a lot of the dialogue they were talking about with him being like a movie star, like a blockbuster movie star, mm-hmm. was very much referencing his days in Hollywood when we did Con Air, National Treasure, Face Off. Like he was Nicholas fucking Cage. Like and that, like, when they were talking about him doing more character-driven stuff and low-budget stuff, I feel like that was them directly having their call-out to Mandy, Mom and Dad, um, Pig, like, his more recent run of, like, character-driven traumas and smaller scare stuff. I feel like that that's what they were doing. Very true, but I also love that they didn't shy away from his, you know, era of paycheck gigs. They were very much embracing that, too, and talking about all that's like there were references to stolen and fucking you know bangkok dangerous and like just everything he did as a shout out in this movie in some capacity yes hilarious <laughs> well if i momentarily because of the the lsc forgets his own fucking prop when he sees the thing from the rock he's like that's a really decorative set of beats you have there it's like yeah it's from the rock <laughs> i love it it's like put the bunny back in the box right <laughs> The the LSD scene had me dying. Just them, their their facial expressions in the car, just like half smile, half frown, not really sure what to do with their lips. <laughs> oh, when he texted Tiffany Haddish and is like, "I'm currently on acid," and she's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh man, I think seen Cruise too. No, I'm 44 fucking years old. Why would I watch the Croods too? <laughs> I love when Pedro Pascal gave his speech and the movie that changed his relationship with his father was guarding Tess. <laughs> like the most weak white bread cage film he could have picked. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Oh, hilarious. Um, I love the opening when he's trying to talk to um the director about like joining his project and was that david gordon green or that was david gordon green that was david gordon green okay i heard he had a cameo and i was trying to place him but i don't know what he looks like no that was david i knew because he was on um i've seen him before in interviews and he was on um the last tribe with joe bob breaks okay him and um, jason blum were on one of the specials (laughs) to promote halloween kills and um yeah that was david gordon green that's awesome and cage is like i'm gonna i don't i wouldn't read for you but if you want me to I'll read for you. All right, I'm going to read for you right now. And he has an impromptu Boston accent that's fucking terrible. 
Also, Gordon Green's reaction. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. That's, oh, my God. I loved his relationship with his, like, ex-wife and his kid when he got drunk at his daughter's birthday party. It's like singing the song about the Grand Canyon. I love the hoo he does. hoo ha Just him just being himself was so funny. I love when he's like hung over and he's he doesn't want to go to the go to the jungle or something and the lady pulls the sheets off him and he's like, ah, what what why? <laughs> I love how he just walks into the pool to drink his his fucking alcohol. Just like floats to the bottom and Patrick saves him. <laughs> Oh. I like when uh, Rachel Basco is acting out that scene on the cliff. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> that was great. When he tells him, like, I love the honesty in the fact that, like, if you retire, we all lose something so special to us. It's like, I, I, I love that. This, this love of Nicolas Cage is something that transcends film itself. It's like, it's almost like a cult. Yeah. <laughs> We all just adore this guy. We don't care if the movie sucks. We just love seeing him in it. <laughs> and we just will we'll follow him into hell. It's weird, but I, I would. Yeah, it's like when he said that, I was like, no, don't you dare fucking retire, Cage. You will act until the day you die, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Which luckily in real life, Cage has actually said he will do. He will He will never retire. He will keep acting until he, until he essentially dies. Um. So I'm like, hell yeah, Cage. <laughs> I love the, the guns from Face Off when he like steals them. Are those my guns? No, they're my guns. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> they become best friends. I love when they trade shoes. <laughs> like they're in fucking summer camp. I like like the, the awkwardness of the car right at first because they have that moment where they just approach each other. <laughs> like we should take a drive. Yes, we should. And it's just really quiet and awkward. And then I love how when they're trying to run away from the bad guys in the shoes, and then Cage immediately starts insulting the shoes. <laughs> I I love when he was um he was supposed to uh d- d- uh knock out a guard with the the finger stuff, and he wipes his forehead, and he's like, I think I just rubbed my forehead. <laughs> they're like, Are you sure? He's like, I think so. <laughs> he just falls over. That- whole sequence was great when he's trying to get into the other room dude when he passes out and she gets him up by going action <laughs> and he's like immediately like ah <laughs> train <laughs> thespian <laughs> I love that he kept referring to himself as a thespian because he like you know my training is just like your training CIA guy I love when the guys are, well, let's just throw away five years of intel because Nicolas Cage doesn't see it. <laughs> back it up. back it up and go home, guys. <laughs> but he was right. <laughs> yeah, he was. I'm like, oh, my God, he's right. Oh, man. I was laughing the whole time. This was so good. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, no, this was a this was a wonderful film and a, an absolutely tired film. Um, what a great yeah great name i loved how the ending just kind of turned into the movie he wrote with javi and now it's demi moore <laughs> i liked how he would pretend to be sergio and he had that 
hideous fucking makeup and accent. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Oh, you look so terrible. I like when he like has a gun on them. He's just like, that's right, I'm Nicholas fucking Cage. And he's like, has the gun on. Oh my god. Oh my lord. It's the fucking Boston line comes back to play in that scene. I'm like, god damn it. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, this was funny as hell. I saw it Friday. I'm trying to remember like specifics. Uh, I want to see it again. I want I want to own this as soon as I can. Such such a good movie. Oh boy. Um yeah, this was great. I give this a nine out of ten. If I watch it two more times, it'll probably be a ten. This was <laughs> wonderful. I I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, this is a very high eight. It's probably going, you know, it's a nine. It's nine out of ten for me as well. I'm not gonna tease myself. Um <laughs> This is everything that trailer promised. It is a it is a celebration of one of the greatest actors of all time that has graced us with his presence on the screen. That you know is having fun with his persona, his his career. And it's nice to see him in on the joke and having just as much fun with it. It yes, thank God, thank you for the Nicholas Cage. And again, for all you fucking assholes, that are like Ooh, something original coming out. You got two different types. You got a comedy and you got a Viking epic. And you're because you were adamant that nothing original comes out, now they are both bombing. So thanks, guys. Um, I hope the critical right. I hope the critical praise for this is enough to give Nicolas Cage just another another boost from you know uh, Hollywood and critics and whatnot. Just I love when he succeeds. We all do. And to me, this just continues to shriek that's been going on since. Since mom and dad, you know, with that and Mandy, uh, really is Wonderland, uh, color out of space, like, yeah, this pig, like, this, this, this fucking strong train of films he's been doing recently. Yeah, I'm so glad he he changed his mind because he kids turned this down three or four times, and uh, at first he he almost tried to play Javi because he thought it'd be more meta to play his biggest fan than actually play himself i wouldn't mind seeing that version of the movie <laughs> he relented when pedro pascal was cast because he's like "Ooh, i'd love to work with him so yeah i i i love this yes can we all say that like can we agree that like pedro pascal is like one of the most underrated fucking actors working in hollywood i think his stock has been rising substantially ever since the mandalorian so i i think everyone's starting to recognize that okay thank god so i've liked this guy since beginning and i just feel like like this movie sells it more like the considering he's like pretty like serious on the mandalorian seeing him like break out like this and really have like a lot of fun yeah it he was great he was he was fantastic i am hobby nick cage cage like how they <laughs> do it at the end he does it somehow then he goes I love when he straight up says, like, like, is this guy going to want me to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch me fuck his wife? He's like, no. (laughs) I kind of like that's really in uh, Neil Patrick Harris, NPH. I like how that's what he just immediately jumps to in that scenario. I like, oh, yeah, we also have a script, throw it out. (laughs) I love earlier when Cage calls him and he's like, that birthday party thing. And 
Harris is like, it's stupid. I never should have told you about it. He's like, I'll take it. It's going to be great, Nick. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> so full of shit. Like when he takes him to that spot that they beat him with it, and he's like getting off on it. Cage <laughs> just like in so much pain. Ah, <laughs> uh, not that I went anywhere. Not that you went anywhere. I love that constant callback. Just not that we ever went anywhere. <laughs> Talking to himself. Nick Nikki <laughs> was my favorite part. I was good. You know what, Nikki? I had enough. Get out. Just get out. And he just stops the car to let Nikki out of the car. <laughs> I found out that there's um, there was a, a deleted scene where Cage has kind of a like an like a Spider-Man No Way Home moment with Caster Troy, uh, his character from uh, from Con Air leaving Las Vegas and Wild at Heart, I think, like in his head, and um, it got cut for time, but uh, Cage said it will be on the DVD. Yes. First off, how dare you cut that for time? This movie is below two hours. And considering I've watched nothing but like two and a half hour fucking movies for the last like two or three weeks. Yeah. I would have taken that extra time for that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like a battle royale in his head of like conflicting personalities. (laughs) Oh, that would have been so great. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Especially face off like Nick Cage with Conair. That's my personal favorite. For me personally, I fucking love Conair. Did you see Caster Troy and Cameron Poe have any kind of interaction? Would be absolute dynamite. Yes. I also loved at the end when the the kidnapped girl like wakes up and it's like Nicholas Cage. (laughs) What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Oh yeah, because she's watching Conair at the beginning. I love how we just open with Conair. I love how the the song "How Do I Live" became part of the movie. Oh, funny! Back in the box. What a celebration! Just of everything this dude's given us. No other actor deserves a movie like this, in my opinion. I'm so glad he's back. Not that he ever went anywhere. And he never went anywhere. He's Nicholas fucking Cage. Of oh, that. Whoo! The end of that. <laughs> yeah, I love the whoo! Ah, Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't believe this movie exists. <laughs> I just love that this is an actual tangible thing I got to see. <laughs> Makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Mm. Okay. Time to sign off. Uh thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on the socials if you like what we do. Check out our email, filmgasm at gmail.com. And uh, check out the website, phonegasm.com. You know the deal. It's in the description. You know what to do. Next week, all we're getting is another Liam Neeson action movie, Memory. Uh, It's all but guaranteed to bomb. So we're going to get creative. I love how we had the high this weekend. You want to know Liam Neeson action that he's done since Taken? Not really. Nothing had the balls to come out anywhere near Doctor Strange. No. So we're going to think something creative, do something fun, countdown or something more on that next week. Uh, This week, don't miss Red Dragon on Wednesday's Filmgasm, Hannibal Rising on Friday's Beyond the Bad, and the 100th Oscar Sunday on The Silence of the Lambs. Have a great week. Keep watching movies.